Hey guys, sorry about the uh, crappy audio yesterday. I had something to do with my Bluetooth in my car, I think. So here I am uh, with another car pod. Uh, I am actually doing something on the Great Reset. I told you guys that, but there is so much to that. I mean, <laughs> holy cow, it's going to be a long one. So as I'm slowly uh, working at that, uh, sorry about that, in between running claims and you know having a family and everything, I will get back on a better schedule. Uh, I just want to talk about uh, Saul and the witch at Endor, which comes up a lot, a lot of questions surrounding that with some Christians. It happens in the book of First Samuel chapter uh, 28. If you don't know, um, Saul, who was a king um, and had at this point had become a, basically, I mean, I don't want to say an evil king in terms of there were some way worse kings that were about to come about in the next couple hundred of years uh, after Saul. But that being said, Saul had basically, God wasn't listening to, to him anymore. And uh, David and the armies uh, were actually, um, Saul's army was actually about to uh, go into war with the Philistines. And uh, David was about to take over. So anyway, as the forces are gathered against Saul and the Israelites, uh, Saul is desperate. And he tries to inquire of the Lord, which, you know, the David did back then. The kings could do back then. The Oramim, the Thumim, we talked about this. They could uh, basically a magic eight ball and ask questions. Hey, should we go up here? You know, uh, David often does it. He uh, acquires, you know, ah, bring me the ephod that I may ask God something. And he goes in and he, he asks God just a blatant question. Should I go up against this army? And God says, yes. And David says, will I prevail if I go up against them? And God says, yes. So there was this very supernatural way that God would uh, speak to the kings that were close to him then. And God had long since uh, stopped doing that with Saul because Saul disobeyed in, in so many very ways with Samuel that we won't get into. So long story short, Saul sees this army comes against him. The Bible says that he trembles greatly. And he inquires of God, as he had done many times in his past, but God did not answer him. He didn't answer him by dreams or by the Urim or by the prophets that were gathered around Saul. God was silent. And so Saul is trembling and he decides that it'd be a good idea then, if he can't get answers, to go to a witch. <laughs> and recently, Paul, uh, Saul, Paul, Saul had just banned all witches and necromancers from the, as he should have, from the uh, kingdom. So he kind of went up against, you know, what he had just decreed to say, well, it doesn't really, this rule doesn't really count for me. And here we see him going to the, rich, the witch at Endor. Yet he disguises himself and he goes by night. He doesn't want anyone to know that he who has made the decree to get rid of witches is now going into a town, actually a city that is uh, more or less known for witchery. And he's going to find somebody. Uh, but he says to his, his wise men and people around, he says, yo, uh, God's not answering me. Uh, I can't get a hold of him. So, uh, I need you guys, servants, to go out and seek for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. Now, this is important. And instantly, the servant said to him, Behold, there is a, a medium at Endor. Okay? So they answered him pretty quickly. So Saul disguises himself, puts on other garments. He takes a couple guys with him. He goes by night. And he uh, comes to this witch, and he says, Hey, lady, uh, divine for me by a spirit. And bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. 
And the woman said, who do you think you are, man in disguise? Don't you know what King Saul has done? He's cut off the mediums. He's banished the, the necromancers from the land. What are you trying to lay a trap for me so that I can conjure a dead person or the, a spirit and then you're going to turn me in? Ah, screw you. But Saul says, look, lady, as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. And the woman said, who should I bring up for you? Who do you want to see? And he said, bring up Samuel for me. Now, at this point, she doesn't think anything of it. She's like, whoever Samuel is, uh, great, good for you. Maybe she knew who he was because, you know, he was known throughout the land as being God's prophet and an enemy of Saul by the end because Saul didn't have a backbone in his body or trust or faith in the Lord. And, and Samuel just had to keep mopping up his messes, literally. Uh, and uh, so look at this. She summons this Samuel and Saul goes, you know, she starts getting afraid. And Saul goes, what, what do you see? Don't be, don't be afraid. Tell me what you're saying as you're conjuring Samuel. And the woman said, I see a God coming up out of the earth. And Saul says to her, what is his appearance? And she says, like an old man coming up and he's wrapped in a robe. Saul knew immediately then that it was Samuel. And he bowed with his face to the ground and he paid homage. Samuel says, why have you disturbed me? Or Samuel says, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul says, I'm in great distress for the Philistines are warring against me. And God's turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore, I've summoned you. Please tell me what to do. Even though I screwed you the entire later portion of my life and your life, help me now. And Samuel said, why do you ask this of me? Since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy, the Lord has done to you as... He spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and has given it to your neighbor, David, because you didn't obey the voice of the Lord. You didn't carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you to this day, and the Lord will hand over Israel to this day. So long story short, Saul freaks out. He falls to the ground. He's super repentant. He's filled with fear because he now sees that Samuel, the real Samuel, not some demonic entity, has said, this kingdom is done, you're going to die. And so uh, he's filled with fear. Now listen, uh, Samuel says in verse 19, Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also to you into the hand of the Philistines. When, Kyle? Tomorrow. How'd you like to find out for sure, like no escaping it, you're going to die tomorrow? Everything, your kingdom, everything that you have built up, everything that you have worked so hard for, that you have planned for, that you have financially made happen is going to be ripped from you tomorrow and you are going to die and you are, your entire legacy is going to be stripped from you in shame. Samuel says, you will be delivered into the hands of the Philistines tomorrow. You and your sons, the beloved Jonathan, will be with me, Samuel says. That's interesting. The Lord will give the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. So I'm going to stop right there. So this is a much, much uh, debated, contested uh, portion of scripture among Christians. You know, it's often seen as, is this possible? I mean, is this real? What happened here? Is, uh, is there really, was this really Samuel? Was this necromancy? Did this really, or did this just bring up a demon? Are demons real? Of course, if you listen to this podcast, you'll know that they absolutely are. Uh, so I just want to talk a little bit here about um, the the idea of looking closer at what 
this woman does, this witch at Endor. Uh, a few components to this story. I might go a little over 10 minutes, but <laughs> uh, but th the fact that this is this is clearly Samuel, just so you know, no debate in the in the Hebrew. Uh, in the Septuagint, there's no debate among scholars and, and uh, Second Temple Jewish rab rabbis. This is Samuel. No demon would ever wish to have a likeness of Samuel. <laughs> and if they did, they wouldn't say what this spirit had to say. They're lying. They're deceiving. They're cunning. Mm. The medium, the witch... As you note here, when she sees the real person of Samuel actually coming up from below the earth, she, you can tell right there in the scripture, she's thrown into a state of shock, immediately recognizing that she's been deceived. This is clearly not a normal performance for her. This is not something she normally does. She's not used to seeing, uh, my theory is she may be used to seeing demons. She may be used to seeing um, ghosts, poltergeists, you know, what have you from the demonic realm. But now she is seeing something inflamed with the Holy Spirit. Now she is seeing something on the other spectrum from the evil side she's always dealt with for the first time. And you don't, you know, you can't summon angels, y'all. You can't summon dead saints. You can't, don't even pray to them. They can't do anything. You can't do that. You can summon demons. And that's why she's terrified because this thing is something different. This isn't normal for her. She's actually seeing someone from beyond the grave, not an impersonator, a real someone. Something beyond a demon's capability of producing itself and making it look like something. I believe God granted Saul's request, even though it was super misguided. Uh, I believe it did to show the depths of which how far Saul had fallen spiritually and to confirm that his end is near to let him know that. So, you know, I, I think that the medium uh, had evil spirits around her. The demons, they all saw this and they all crapped their pants. And you can see clearly that Saul's following the devil's will more than God's. But this is a spirit in contrast sent by God of Samuel. <laughs> we won't talk about Sheol or Hades, but his body was down there chilling, resting, and his spirit was with the Lord. And for, you know, God allowed this to be reconciled together for this moment, which I think is pretty, pretty special uh, in, in scripture. And rabbis embrace this as well. Uh, but there's just some things, you know, you have to note that the medium was super surprised. This, and she had seen some things. This means that this was something special. That Saul identified the figure as Samuel and bowed down in respect. And Saul knew Samuel well. He's not going to be deceived by somebody that's not Samuel. It's Samuel. Okay. Uh, the biblical text, text itself says the figure was Samuel. Uh, this is very clear there. And a similar appearance of men from the dead took place when Moses and Elijah appear at the transformation. So it doesn't take anything. Transfiguration. I cannot talk today. I'm in between claims. All right. Give me, give me some, uh, give me some, cut me some slack, eh? Uh, so I think this story is pretty, pretty pivotal. P Holy crap. I really can't talk. <laughs> oh my gosh. So anyway. This dark supernatural power is around this medium, but now sees something different coming 
that God allows to happen. Everyone here knew this was over the top. Everyone knew here this was absolutely, positively something of the Lord. So that being said, we'll kind of cart that for the moment. And we'll look into a little bit of the reactions. And I, I know, I, slowly, Kyle, I knew you'd it'd come to where you're, you're talking beyond 10 minutes. And slowly, this is going to be your podcast. No, it's not. But it could be um, just a little... Just a little longer than 10 minutes. <laughs> okay, so the thing you have to understand is that necromancy and doing all this stuff is real. Okay, uh, just like, yeah, kind of, it all goes back. Just like the fact that, you know, God again says, hey, uh, this stuff's real. That's why he told Deuteronomy, the Israelites, you should not do this. Be he wouldn't say that if something wasn't possible. Like, he wouldn't say, hey, you shouldn't walk through. Uh, brick walls. That would be stupid to be in the Bible, right? But he says you shouldn't conjure up or worship these demons or fallen angels or anything other than me as Yahweh, species unique, Elohim, right? Why would he say don't do it if it wasn't possible? It's because it's possible. We can contact the dead. The the, the dead, or at least the spirits that would be impersonating them, I don't believe. I believe this was a special occasion. I don't believe that when you go to a, uh, a psychic or when you go to an exorcism, you go to uh, you go anywhere. You go to New Orleans, you want to get your tarot cards read, you want to get your palms read. I don't believe that anytime you go to where there's a seance and they're contacting your dead relative, I do not believe that is your dead relative. I believe that um, the afterworld on both ends uh, from the Lazarus and uh, Abra the Abraham's bosom, I believe that they are um, up there disconnected from this world. And that is a, that is a very good thing. So uh, that being said, you can contact demons. You can contact, and this has been done for a very long time. Uh, ancient Jewish historian Josephus says this as well. There's a lot of, again, simple second temple Jews and rabbis that, you know, knew this stuff was very, very real. There are mediums, there were wizards, there were whisperers and conjurers, and they actually were uh, successful. So she really does uh, mention, or she really does bring uh, Samuel up in this point. So I think we can, we can get on beyond that. Uh, but why did Saul want to see Samuel? You know, first of all, why, like why, if he went to bring somebody up, why would he even do that? And I think that's because He's in the midst of this sin, depression, and demonic influence. And he forgot that, I think in this clutter, he forgot that Samuel was his enemy. He was his adversary. Saul kept slipping into sin in the few books before this, a few chapters of 2 Samuel before this, 1 Samuel rather, and he had slipped into to sin time and time again, and Samuel would have to come and reprimand him. Well, now, you know, now you've got him calling Samuel out, thinking that he's actually going to help him. A guy in his right mind isn't going to think that at all. And so he's like, why did you deceive me? The witch says, you know, she's thrown off. Uh, the medium knew it was Samuel. And so, you know, she says, here's what happened. I saw this God coming out of the earth. Uh, and the word God really just has to do with, it doesn't have anything to do with Samuel being a God. It literally just means that, uh, you know, that they, they would oftentimes, as Hebrews, they would call gods um, even just people that were from beyond the grave. It's just a, it's a general word for that, especially in the way that she used it. And I love it that Samuel says, why did you disturb me? I was comfortable. 
Haven't we had our rounds back and forth? Samuel would rather have been back where he was. And I think this is an indication of us, the reality of the world beyond, that you and I are going to go to one day, right? Samuel wasn't in heaven. Jesus explained this, the rich man of Lazarus. Once again, we've talked about this in Luke 16, that before Jesus finished the work on the cross, the believing dead went to a place of comfort and blessing known as Abraham's bosom. I've talked about that, or I touched on that with Sheol and Hades and all that good stuff. But, uh, you know, Samuel's deeply distressed. Paul, of being called out, Paul's deeply, or Saul, why do I keep saying it, is deeply distressed. The witch at Endor is deeply distressed. This is a crazy situation. So, uh, I, first of all, I want it to be known that absolutely it was Samuel. God allowed this to happen. It can happen, just so you know. Uh, and the fact that Saul was a complete idiot. All right, so I want to go into a second, uh, in a second. Lastly, I want to talk about, um, I, want to, I want to give some life lessons from this thing before we go, this 20-minute banger. Was Saul saved? I want to bring that up because I do believe that he was. Because Samuel says, I just read that. This is really, this is really cool. This is how you got to study your Bible. Samuel says today or, you know, tomorrow when you die, you and your sons will be with me. That's very interesting. And, and peace in paradise, even as, as messed up as Saul's end of his life was, as evil as he had turned. That's interesting for those who say you can lose your salvation. I don't believe that's true. Samuel says, tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. Now, we all know about Jonathan, Saul's son, David's beloved, you know, best friend, his kindred spirit, his soulmate as a friend. Uh, they loved each other. They served each other. They were there to, um, you know, unite under crazy King Saul, Jonathan's father. Jonathan was righteous. Jonathan was an amazing man of God. And Samuel says, tomorrow you and Jonathan and your sons will be with you. I don't think Jonathan was going to Hades. I don't think Jonathan was going to going to hell. I think Jonathan uh, was going to be where Samuel is. And apparently Saul is too. So I just kind of wanted to point that out. It's you know something someone might read this a lot and completely miss that portion to understand. That I think that might have something to do with um, eternal security. All right. So lastly, I just want to give a few life lessons about Endor here and everything, the whole story that we've encapsulated. Um, Saul misses Samuel, even though Saul's, you know, we see this later in David's life. You're actually going to see the same thing where he laments over people that were evil that died, where he gangs up on some of his friends that killed somebody and unrighteously because this person was defiling Israel and David mourns for him or his son Absalom tries to overthrow everything and David mourns for that death of Absalom, you know, just outrageously. And so we're going to see this from David uh, later on. But God doesn't answer quick enough for Saul. So I want to think about that. God doesn't answer quick enough for you. So what do you do? You're going to find another means. Maybe it's just uh, you go find the witch at Endor in yourself, right? And you make that decision. You kind of say, all right, well, I'm, I'm just going to make the call. Maybe the witch at Endor in your solution or your problem is, is a family member or a friend or a coworker or somebody that's really leading you down the wrong path of trying to tell you something that you know is bad advice. I don't know. I don't know what it is for you.
Saul comes face to face with Samuel at a witch's house that lives in Endor. Endor, uh, Jacob, okay, I want to go, I want to touch this. Jacob had 12 sons. You know that later became the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, what you may not know is that each got a different plot of land. I've talked about that a little bit. The tribe of Manasseh's uh, land that he owned was owned, uh, was known as Endor or Endor, a large city on the side of a hill. It seemed to harbor refugees who had fallen out of favor in Israel, Israel according to Psalm 8310. Many people who had fallen in the battle against Deborah and Barak uh, fled to Endor and perished there. Among the ostracized individuals includes the witch of Endor. The name of the land itself, Spring of Generations, suggests that perhaps witchcraft and divination were widespread practices in Endor. Generations implies people there would consult past ancestors who, um, or those who had passed on. So this was a place of witchery. And as I told you, Saul had banished witches and sorcerers, uh, but decides to change his mind once he gets abandoned by God and he goes against his own decrees and he moves there to deal with the itch, with the witch. I, I, have, I have made more speaking errors and word errors in this 21 minutes than I have in probably the last four hours of podcasting. It's amazing. So who is the witch? The Bible doesn't give us a lot of, a lot of detail, obviously, uh, but we know she practiced divination and necromancy because Saul suggests that, you know, hey, I know you can do this lady, evil lady, crazy weird lady, you can bring up Samuel for me, so do it. He goes in disguise, right? He doesn't want to be recognized. Um, he doesn't want to be ridiculed for banishing these witches and now he's seeking them. Uh, you know, he didn't want someone to call him out for this, so... This woman obviously has a rep reputation because remember back when he asked and he consults his servants and attendants, hey, I need you to go find for me before he can even get the words out, witch or medium for referrals. Instantly they say, oh, we know the witch at Endor. She must have been something. So I believe she actually brings up Samuel um, and I don't believe it's really up for debate anymore. Uh, I think, I think Saul makes a, a, a big mistake here. The Bible talks against witchcraft consulting with demons. I told you this Ouija boards, tarot readings by association. Um, we kind of do these dark arts as well. Oh, it's white magic. Oh, it's Wicca. Oh, it's, oh, it's, uh, sorry guys, but it's yoga and Middle East, tran you know, if I'm, if I'm doing meditation. Interesting. God didn't answer him quickly enough, and so he takes matters into his own hands. We see this all the time in the Old Testament, Abram and Sarai not getting pregnant. And with Hagar, we see it everywhere. Maybe God was going to speak to him that day, but Saul didn't wait. He seals his fate. And so here's the thing. You and I might, we look at this, and I know I look at this story, and I go, Saul is an idiot. Saul chose this stupid, ridiculous path. But how often we even... We, you and I, allow small, uh, dark things into our lives. Slowly. Wickedly. To lean on that thing more than God. Maybe it's our own might. The Bible calls it the, and you have an arm of flesh, but God 
who created the universe has an arm of capital G Elohim, what would you rather have? If we don't wait patiently on the Lord, guys, we're going to find ourselves straying down the same path. And we need to make note. Lastly, Paul goes in disguise. He doesn't want the rich to recognize him. He doesn't want anyone else to recognize him. But there's a certain motif in Scripture when people try to hide their sin and wrongdoing. And it started in Genesis 3, didn't it? Saul knew he had disobeyed God's commands. He was well aware of the situation. He even knew at the end of Samuel's life, who, you know, was like hacking Agag to pieces because Saul didn't put him to death. And there's just so many things that are going on. Saul knew this. He knew he disobeyed God's commands over and over, and he tried to do it in a hidden way. But by the end of the story, even the witch knows Saul's identity without taking a mask off or anything. She knows. And his doom that would come the next day in battle. So I'm just, it's a longer nugget. I apologize. Maybe I had longer than I thought to actually do this in between claims, but I just wanted to say, I hope that that hits you somewhere. That this stuff is real. This stuff can be summoned, but you don't even have to be like, well, I'm not a Satan worshiper. I'm not, you know, Kyle, I'm not, uh, I don't do Ouija boards, man. You can invite these things in and not even realize they are in simply from uh, not being patient on the Lord and for taking your own sorcery, your own lowercase gods, following your own idols. Maybe it's, if, if I am your idol on a podcast and you don't want to do the digging, you don't want to read your Bible, you just want to listen to Kyle Gray, Kyle Gray is going to be the first to tell you, you are, you are absolutely misguided in a huge and very dangerous way. You get in, you leave nothing between the Lord and you. And you be patient. And when he says, wait, you better wait.